Hey, family. Hey. We are family, family. <laughs> it's so good to be back together again. And hey, I have been so touched by your response to this podcast so far, so I can't wait to continue these conversations with you further. It's worth noting that in podcast land, downloads of an episode are nothing like the numbers other creators see on forums such as TikTok or YouTube. And yet, in less than one week, we crossed the threshold of ranking in the top 50% of podcasts. I've released one episode, and that is such a phenomenal response. But I couldn't do it, like literally could not do it without you. So thank you for joining us again, especially because today's episode features my full interviews with my son, Jack, and my better half, Patrick. And whether you're new here or just returning for some family time, let me just review who I am, too. I'm Nicole Morris, licensed marriage and family therapist and mental health correspondent. And let me be the first to say, welcome to the family. The CD family, that is. I am here to create a community of support for family members, spouses, partners, parents, adult children, as there may be adult words, and chosen family of OCD sufferers and their community. I've had over 22 years of experience in the mental health field, but please note that this information does not qualify or substitute as a diagnostic evaluation, therapy, or treatment, and it is presented on an as-is basis. Please follow up with a qualified mental health provider in your area regarding concerns for yourself or loved ones. Thank you for joining us today. Now, let's get started. I am so excited that Jack and my husband Patrick are my guests on today's podcast. I can't wait to start this conversation with my guys. And I'm going to interview Jack and Patrick together at first, and then Patrick and I are going to follow that up with an interview with just us, where we can talk a bit more candidly about OCD and its presence in our household. Drum roll. Without further ado, I'm excited, so excited to welcome my first guest to the OCD family podcast, my son Jack and my handsome hubs, Patrick. Welcome, guys. Hello. Hi there. Hi. Welcome. Thanks for being my first guest. Are you excited? You're welcome. Oh, thank you, sweet pea. So, Jack, tell, why don't you tell us a little bit about yourself? My name is Jack, and I'm also entering third grade in the beginning uh. of a new grade. Basically, um, I get scared. Yeah. Because I don't know what te my teacher, I don't know if they'll be a girl or a boy. Mm -hmm. Or a man or a woman, I guess. Or a man or a woman. <laughs> it's okay to be scared. What's some things that you like to do for fun? What do you like to build? Well, basically, mostly roller coasters because... You like to build roller coasters? Yeah, because... Honestly, how good I can be at theme parks, I can too. And he is quite good. He definitely has a knack for engineering. So I know we've talked about how I'm creating this podcast about OCD, and you've learned a lot about OCD in the past few years. Can you share with us, Jack, about what OCD means for you? I have quite a few things that my OCD likes to interact with. Basically, obviously, swim lessons. Mm -hmm. 
This feels very scary. Yeah. Mm-hmm. What's the story that OCD tells you is going to happen during swim lessons? Well, basically, it's extremely uh, deep. Mm, okay. The pool? Yeah. Yeah. And what are you afraid is going to happen while you're in the pool? That I'm going to drown. Yeah. Do you ever see pictures in your head or in your mind of you drowning or are you just afraid that you're going to drown? When it happens, basically, that gets me the thought that I'm going to get afraid mm-hmm. of, the, of me going to drown while during swim lessons. Uh, now, now, it's the same thing with the other things that my OCD interacts with. Yeah, tell me more about that. What are some of the other things you notice it with? One, I think, is cheese. Cheese. Yeah, cheese. Yeah. Tell me about the cheese, because I heard that you ate some cheese for dinner, even tonight. A cheese stick, perhaps. Well, well, Dad gave me, like, a small rectangle. Y'all didn't see it, but Dad got the side eye there. Yeah, it was white. It was about the same. It was about, like, cheddar. I didn't know what type it was. At first, I thought it was mozzarella, mm-hmm. which I would only think I could only eat on pizzas. Mm-hmm. Why do you think it's okay on pizza and not, I don't know, like in a rectangle shape? Well, because... On pizza, it tastes more delicious. Mmm, it's delicious. Plus, it's not the same as cheddar is. Cheddar's the bad one, huh? Yeah, that's the one that OCD mostly interacts with. Patrick, can you tell us what he said was going to happen if he ate the cheese? The first time? Yeah. Yeah, so I remember one time Jack saying something to the effect of, the cheese will chase me to the Burj Khalifa and throw me off. Right? Didn't you say that? Yeah. Yes. And it was going to give you a very bad headache. Right? Yeah, and crack my skull. Wow. But what I do remember, if you were going to survive, but you were going to have the worst headache and on an international flight back here, right, back home, that would have been a bummer. So what is it about cheddar cheese? What is, what's the story that OCD tells you about cheddar cheese? What, what's going to happen to you? Basically, OCD says that I'm, one, either going to get thrown out this, the Burj Khalifa, two, it will summon a serial killer right behind me. Behind you? Wow. The security here at the house apparently needs to go up a little bit. But I, I did hear there was a serial killer theme tonight with cheese, right, Dad? Mm-hmm. Yeah. And three, it makes me think that that it would just throw me into the war with Russia and Ukraine. Oh, my. Thank you for sharing about all the plots, the OCD, all the stories it tells you. There's another one that I know it tells you sometimes. I know that you were worried it was going to make you throw up. Does that sound familiar? I think don't think it's affected me for a long time. Yeah, yeah. Since it first happened. That's great. Yeah, that is. Uh, Buddy, for a long time you were worried about that. Does that mean that you've been getting better about that? Sounds like it. No, it's just maybe it's 
taking medicine? I don't know. Oh, taking medicine. Recently, we were we had an airplane flight. We got to go see family, which was wonderful. We love and miss being near family on daddy's side of the family. And how did you feel about going on the airplane? Well, on the first flight, I felt scared because my last one before that one was to Palm Springs and basically and then go on a flight for a long time. And then I finally I turned to another mm-hmm. flight and I was scared because it's been a little long time. It had been a while. And just to give everybody context, we used to live on the other side of the country. And so we would fly a lot to go and see family and get around. So I don't think I'm probably exaggerating here. Patrick, would you say he's been on about at least 30 flights in his life? Oh, yeah, I think so. I think he's been on a ton. Yeah, it might even be more than that. So it had been about a year. We went to a memorial the year, the summer before during COVID. And we went on a flight just a couple of weeks ago. And Jack was really scared. What did you think was going to happen on the plane? Well, well, Russia would think we're a Ukraine plane and they would shoot us down. Okay, so we could get shot down or crash in general. He was feeling very, very nervous, especially during takeoff, right? Yeah, because the takeoff's so intense, it eventually goes faster than Top Roll Dragster. Which is a roller coaster. That yeah. goes 420 feet high, which is about the height of a cloud. All right. I believe you. My son is a little genius here, too. So he's probably fact-checked that. I'm not going to doubt that. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) And thank goodness I'm not old enough to go on Top Roll Dragster because when I got my first look at it, man, it was huge. Yeah. So what do we do to boss back OCD? Do we let OCD just sit and boss you around? Now we always have to do something. I also remember another thing that OCD bossed me, tasting mustard. Oh, yeah, that was recent. That's right. I don't think I'll have mustard again because, well, it's kind of weird to me. And that's okay, right? What we talk about is you don't have to like mustard. You don't have to like certain things. We all have different preferences, but it's different when we feel scared of it because OCD is being a big bully, right? When OCD is being a big bully, then we don't get to do the fun things we enjoy in life, whether it's hang out with family, eat dinner together, play. Yeah. Jack, what is your favorite ride at Disney World? My favorite ride at Walt Disney World is the carousel at Magic Kingdom, the Mad Tea Party, as well as Magic Kingdom, and Air Alien Swirling Saucers. Okay, but for a long time, what was your favorite? There was a different one that goes fast that was your favorite for a really long time. Do you remember? What? Big Thunder. Oh, yeah, but when I went on Walt Disney World's I didn't remember what the POV was, and well, it was it was 
crazy. So do you think that uh, what mommy's saying about letting OCD boss us around, how that can sometimes spoil the fun a little bit? Like maybe maybe you weren't able to have as much fun on Big Thunder as you usually did, because usually that was your favorite. Yeah. Right? And it is okay to be scared, I want to say, of things. And, you know, we all have fears that we have to fight, but we don't want it to overtake us, you know? Yeah. Yeah. And OCD was so bossy during Big Thunder this time around, which we didn't even know how bossy it was being until we pretty much took off. The most scariest part, I was really scared on the chain left foot. Not as scared as I was when it went down the drop. Yeah. So you were really, really scared. And he was so scared that, and we were already going on the on the ride. So there we are, strapped in. The OCD even took a little bit of your voice. You were pretty hoarse for the rest of the day. Because you were so scared that you were feeling some panic while we were on the train. And that used to be your favorite. You used to ride it a lot. And now, now it was scary. And so that's a great example, Dad. Well, that was also because I didn't remember last time I went on Walt Disney World's mm-hmm. version. Mm-hmm. And what OCD can say is you don't remember, so you might actually be in danger. And it makes you feel really, really scared because that's the kind of mean bully that OCD is. So what do we do, Jack, when you said we always do have to do something? <laughs> I love the candor. What do we do to boss back OCD? Can you give an example? Here's an example. I think is that like boss it back really hard mm-hmm. and maybe even get a few rewards. Yes, those are really good points. So we boss it back really hard. It's saying OCD is saying all these really scary things. So we boss it back, right? And rewards do help a lot, especially with kiddos. But even as adults, like what happened one day? We got like to a certain age and it's like, "Eh, we don't need rewards anymore. No, we all love rewards. And we do bravery rewards when we boss back OCD. So... What was an example, if you can think of it, when we were on the airplane, when we were flying home and it was a little bit yucky weather, we were going through the clouds and you were feeling a little bit anxious and OCD was telling you that mommy had to hold your hand in a very specific way and I wouldn't hold it in that specific way because I wasn't going to let OCD boss us around. What did we end up doing to boss it back? We tried to just hold on to a handlebar. Uh-huh. But we didn't but you were in a middle seat. You didn't really have a handlebar. Do you remember SCP? Oh yes, that's so pretty cute. Pom poms. Yes. I still think that symbol though is this supposed to mean like a much scarier. Thing. I think it is. So watching YouTube and just being of the age that Jack is, he heard about something called SCPs. And it was something very scary. And so part of how we bossed back OCD is we came up with all sorts of really silly, outrageous names for SCP, what it must stand for. And we came up with, among other things, maybe it's super crazy potatoes. 
Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Super crazy potatoes. Those potato are... chips. Ooh. Mm. Yeah, I could see that. Yeah, like the clouds with like leaves. Ooh. And we had come up with slippery, slippery cute pom-poms because Jack, this was an older one for him, but he had imagined SCPs in his room and it was really scary. And then we thought about them as those little craft pom-poms that were so slippery and so cute. And so as we were going up into the clouds, yeah, I see your smile. I love it. As we were going up into the clouds and we had a little bit of turbulence, Jack said, oh, we're in the clouds. And then he said, but maybe they're just slippery, cute pom-poms. And that was a big win. That was a big win. Yeah. Because it went from being the scary, turbulent weather. To being quite funny. It was funny. And I loved that he took one of these old back-in-the-day references that we used to boss back SCPs back in the day. And it became a way for him to boss back OCD on the airplane. So I think that's a great idea. Yeah, and maybe even the slippery cute bonbons are just slipping off the plane. Yeah, there's just... However, it might have affected the plane steering. I don't know, did it? We seem to maybe it. it even affected the plane steering, but we it might it. have affected it into the right direction, though. Mm, well, we made it this time. We'll have to see you next time, huh? Wink, wink. <laughs> so, Jack, let me ask you this. Anybody that hears your story thinks, wow, I've had thoughts like that before. What advice, what advice do you have to give to them on something they can do to stand up to their OCD and to get help? What do you think? How can they live with OCD? What what tips would you have for them? Here's one tips and trick. Oh, no, OCD's taking our joy. We got to fight back. <laughs> That's right. And we do. We're a team, aren't we? Yeah. And usually if there's something that OCD is saying that we're afraid of, we do it, right? Yeah. Right. We do the opposite of what OCD says to do it. They, yeah, you're not going to be safe. Don't get on the plane. Yeah. And we're like, here we are on the plane. You can't take my family joy away from me, OCD, right? Yeah. Ah, so you're trying to bully it back. What are some other things we do to bully it back? Do we ask anybody for help bullying it back? Yes. Okay, who do we ask? We yes, Christine. Christine, your therapist, she helps us with learning how to boss back OCD using exposure and response prevention therapy. And then what do we do here at home? If we're like not at therapy or we're like, it's cool, we'll just take a break. We'll let OCD just kind of boss us around over here. No. And now we move in, I think, into the top three. Top three of what? Of my OCD tips and tricks. Okay. So now, here's the first one. Set up an OCD fighting revolution. Ooh, I like that. That's good. Like, like calling the government to move in. OFR, OCD fighting revolution. Ooh, that sounds good. OFR. I would OFR also... Universal Studios. Ooh, is that it? It's now official, is it? OFR and I like I like that because we do fear hierarchies and that's essentially the same thing. We are we are setting up our fight plan against OCD. I like that. What's tip number two? 
Number two. Always try to fight it when it's when OCD is bullying you. Yes, that is so wise, Jack. What if you're feeling really scared? Basically, take a deep breath. Ooh, take a deep breath. And do you have to fight it alone? No. Who who helps you fight it? Christine. Mm-hmm. You. Mm-hmm. Dad. Mm-hmm. That's right. That's right. And what's tip number three? And number three, the final. The best is one. The best one? Keep fighting OCD for all of these years. Never give up. Wow. Never give up. That's right. I like it, Jack. Do you think anything has gotten a little better since you've started bossing back OCD? I know that we get, sometimes there's some new fears that come in. OCD is very sneaky. But do you think anything's gotten better so far? Well, my unlucky 13 OCD has been fastly going away. Yes, we have battled the number 13 being bad. Another thing is 666, which I'm... I was scared because it's the number to the devil. Yeah, and so we've been battling 666 as well, haven't we? Yeah. That's true. And even in one of my therapies with Christine, I did a little math with 13 and 666. Mm-hmm. Plus and minus. I don't know about division <laughs> uh, multiplication, <laughs> though. All I know is that I do know some division and multiplication math problems yes and that's yes. okay cutie doodle well thank you so much jack and patrick for being a part of this interview today i know you were feeling a little nervous because ocd tends to say if you don't know what to expect and even if you think you know what to expect it's going to be scary but how was it what do you think I think it was great. Oh, so what would have happened if OCD said, nope, too scary, can't do it? I'll just walk away. You would walk away. <laughs> you probably would. And I would just hide. And we would have missed out on this special extra time, just the three of us. Right, yeah. and that's why we like to do it if we're afraid. We just walk right into it, right? Yeah. Yes, we walk right into it. Well, thank you so much, Jack. Thank you, Patrick. And thank you. Absolutely. So, what did we learn about the family's role in helping guide Jack's ERP homework? Well, we just walk right into it. I didn't prep or guide Jack or Patrick on what to say at all during these interviews. And I loved hearing their organic answers because really, they were spot on. Some of the tips that worked well for Jack were bossing back OCD really hard and earning some rewards. Also, he credited medicine to helping him with some of his progress on the cheddar cheese front, which you will hear Patrick and I discuss further too. And my favorites, create an OCD revolution and fight OCD for all your days. Never give up. I'm just so proud of our boy. And now let's chat with Patrick a little more in depth about how OCD has affected our family. Okay, so I think that was great. It was so great to hear Jack's perspective. And now I want to talk with you a little more. Yeah. And you were saying on the way out, we did this right before Jack went to bed, mm-hmm. and his brother and sister were already in bed. Mm-hmm. Um, 
you were saying like, he's just so amazing. Tell me more about what struck you about what he was sharing that just made you reflect on that in the moment. Yeah, there's so many things about, you know, a person always loves their kids so much, right? So there's all, there's so many things as his parent that I'm going to see and just be gushing over. But I would say for Jack, the big thing for me is just, it's like, it is obvious when I hear him talk about a lot of things that he is neuroatypical, but it's beautiful to me. Like the thing, the way he sees the world, how he comes up with these different ideas and puts them together, mm -hmm. the things he remembers. I mean, I genuinely don't understand how he does that. I cannot remember facts to save my life. Or where the keys are. Yeah. Hey, Jack can remember the software update. So said one video one time. Yeah, he can he remember the, yeah, I'm a programmer and I'm jealous of his ability to remember. So no, I, I'm, I'm just impressed with him. And, you know, also like he's at the age now where pretty much any time I hear him speak, he Blows is saying something new I've never heard him talk about before, like a whole subject matter. Mm-hmm. And so a lot of it's just the being amazed at who he is and who he's turning out to be. But mm -hmm. yes, uh, the neuroatypical way of processing things has been really fun to see because I actually really enjoy figuring out who he is and is really cool. So Yeah, and I think that brings up a good point. We haven't introduced that Jack is neuroatypical, but he is. He has ADHD. Mm-hmm. And he has sensory processing disorder, and we're always in test mode. We are mm -hmm. pretty sure that he is what used to be considered Asperger's autistic. Mm -hmm. And his brain is so amazing. We're always oh, it's true. We're always complimenting him on just the the things he can remember and recall, what he puts together. But at the same time, this amazing brain can come up with some really scary, terrifying torturous things and it and it does impact the whole family and so one of the things I wanted to talk about was I mean for you and me neither of us grew up understanding OCD for what it was I say it that way because we were privy to OCD but we didn't understand that that's what it was mm -hmm. and with jack i feel like once we were aware he was struggling with ocd it came on pretty fast and furious mm -hmm. my first memory of jack having a very strong out of seemingly out of nowhere ocd moment was the walk to the pool mm -hmm. okay so why don't we tell people about that we it was the end of summer break 2020 the banner year that 2020 was mm -hmm. and in 2020 during the shutdown in the spring that started in the spring with covid um i was doing school I was facilitating jack was in kindergarten at the time i was facilitating his school our school system was not set up for e-learning at the time so mm -hmm. there was a lot of hands-on and for the for the age for kindergarten there was a lot of hands-on you know, support that was needed to teach the material. And it became very clear to me with the one-on-one -on -one support and knowing his learning style and having all the things available that he was definitely struggling with ADHD. Mm -hmm. And so 
we had talked with the pediatrician. I'm a therapist. I could see the ADHD slapping me across the face there. And with his sensory processing disorders, a lot of his behaviors, his inattention, some of his poor organization that could affect his executive functioning made sense. But as we were trying to get through school and one-on-one trying to get through it, and it's still he, you would think he's not paying attention at certain times. He retains it all. Mm-hmm. His brain is, is... He really does. Even when he's not, even when he's looking off to the side and just sort of daydreaming, he's at the same time recording every fact he yes. comes across. Yes, yeah, absolutely. So we had had a talk with the pediatrician and he was going to start trialing a stimulant medication at the end of summer. We didn't see any need. Once we got done with the school year, yo, you know, like at at the height of COVID, no vaccines, nothing. We were just like, you know what? (laughs) Screw this. We're not doing anything. We're all stuck at home anyway. But we're not going to do anything that's extra work here and just let him be himself. Not that by medicating we're not letting him be himself let him let us all just chill out we can start this when he goes back to school and we started a trial of a stimulant medication and i had not put two and two together about how that may be adding some fuel (laughs) to our ocd fire but the stimulant medication did really help increase his attention and focus to all things not just schoolwork but all of his ocd thoughts so it was the last day of summer break we live in a neighborhood where we have a we have a beautiful neighborhood with a, a pool and all sorts of amenities. And we walk down there. It's about five blocks down to the pool, as we always do, to get a little movement and exercise. And as a last hurrah for summer. And as we went down to the pool, we weren't even, I feel like we weren't even really on the greenway yet, even. And Jax was straight up had a panic attack mm-hmm. about bugs. Oh, right. The bug incident. Yep. Right. And so he, the fall before, right before the first frost here in the Midwest, the bees become little assholes. They Mm -hmm. just, there's no other way to say. I got stung by a bee, so he was already on edge about bees. And that summer, for whatever reason, it was just 2020, man. It was, there were so many bugs out. Do you remember those big bugs? Oh, yeah. This year, this summer is very bugless by comparison. I'm bugless, but yeah, it but is like by comparison. By comparison, there's nothing out there com- by comparison. By comparison, it's a very yeah, mild. It was a bad, summer. bad year. Yeah, but for like some reason, we're like all you know, shut down. The world shut down. And then you go outside, and there were like I don't know what was happening in the Midwest at the time. There were these giant bugs out. Maybe and- it was that cicada thing that happened. It could have been. It could have. I, I feel like yeah. it was more recent, but maybe it was. But we were walking down and there were like gnats and fruit flies or other probably weren't fruit flies. We were in the, but they looked like fruit flies. We're walking down um, the sidewalk paths that we have woven throughout our neighborhood. And he was literally just screaming in terror. To the point that we're like, whoa. And Patrick and I gave each other a look like, like, what is this? This is concerning. This is new. <laughs> this is new. And also, oh, this doesn't seem like it's going to be just a one and done Right. It right. seemed problematic. And sure. so, yeah. and so, you know, I tried talking to him and there was no rationalizing. Yeah. 
he said, they're going to get me. The bugs are going to get me. And he was standing exactly in the middle of the sidewalk. And it really was one of those thresholds where it's kind of tough as a parent. Sometimes you're like, do we just go through it and show like, we're just going to do stuff because we didn't understand exactly what was happening? Or do we say, no, you're like legitimately having a panic attack? Do we go back home? Because we were closer to home than the pool at that point. But then our other kids were really excited about going to the pool. So it was one of those things like, what do we do? As he's like, sounds like we're like tearing limbs off of him as we walk through the neighborhood. And he's just screaming, panicking, just looks terrible. Like he looks like he's in so much terror. And and at one point, at this point, I was treating OCD already as a therapist. And even then, even then, I was <laughs> it wasn't obvious to me that it was OCD at first. He was just having a panic attack. I couldn't quite figure it out until he said to me, Mom, Mom, you've got to walk with me. You've got to walk with me. And he was saying, you've got to walk with me. And I'm like, okay, buddy. And so I, I held out my hand and I went to walk with him. And he told me, no, you have to stand in the very middle of the sidewalk. Because if you don't stand in the middle of the sidewalk, we're going to be closer to the grass. And if we're closer to the grass, we're closer to the bugs. And this is just how the story went in his mind. And when he started having a lot of specificity about how we had to, you know, walk to even, we still, he didn't think he would be safe, but how we had to walk to survive even another step. I went, oh, <laughs> like, this is, this is, uh, and I think I even said to you at the time, like, this is an OCD calling card. You know, if I didn't know any better, which I should know at this point, because I'm an OCD therapist, but I, you know, it's harder to see. You're so mm -hmm. close. You're so zoomed in with your own kids, your own family. And so immediately I thought, man, this is a problem. And it really escalated from there. What I figured out in retrospect, because I called the doctor, he was just having increased anxiety. You know, they had a mask mandate at school and he would go to school with a mask. He would come home with a different mask on. He would have gone through three masks at the day because they go out for recess and he would be screaming so much in terror about the bugs. And I was like, oh, my goodness, what is going yeah, on with him? That was tough. It was a very tough season. And I would say it was a couple weeks of us going like I called the doctor and I said, I think we might need to put him on an anxiety medication, which pediatricians and general practitioners in general don't love Right. And I sympathize and understand with that, especially for, you know, something like anxiety. Kids get scared when about things and that is normal. That's part of growing up. But yeah, it was full-fledged panic attack. Yeah, this was outside yeah. of the realm of normal. Right. He's always been an anxious kid. Yeah, and being anxious is not the issue. He was like yeah. having an actual panic attack and he did in multiple occasions at that time. And very quickly, you could see like we'd go out to the car in the morning for school and he'd run he'd run out there and he'd panic if the car wasn't unlocked yet if he had to wait because he was trying to spend as little time hey, outside i forgot possible. about that yeah oh man i think i put it out of my mind i forgot yeah yeah but he did so as i was having the conversation and like i was saying pediatricians general practitioners they know a lot of information but they don't know a ton within psychopharmacology they don't love to give more than two 
two is kind of their max before they'll like kind of refer you off to the psychiatrist. So he had literally just started ADHD medication and had gone up on one dose. And I was like, yeah, I think we're going to have to add an anxiety medication. He is having so many issues. This is so disruptive to his function. It's disruptive to our life. And even though we were still all pretty much at home because of COVID, mm -hmm. and she was like, yeah, I'm not going to do We might just need to refer to psychiatry. And then I had the thought, you know, stimulants, like if a person has anxiety and they drink coffee, sometimes it makes them feel worse. Sometimes it makes them feel better. Sometimes it makes them feel worse. Thinking about stimulants in that way and a stimulant medication so much more powerful than just a cup of coffee. I was like, I bet the stimulant is uh, part of the big reason here that we haven't seen a lot of these thoughts that were bubbling and simmering underneath the hood came to light during the stimulant medication time. So we ended up backing up off the stimulant medication and we went on a non-stimulant medication, which was not as helpful for his ADHD, but his panic did go down. We became more aware, though, of the OCD. And then once we were the, aware of it, you couldn't unsee it. You couldn't unhear it mm -hmm. from him. And so that really was the journey start that yeah, I recall. Right. And I uh, and so just uh, as I'm listening to you talk, one thing that I could see people thinking is like, geez, like, is it really ethical to give kids medicine? Like, maybe you should talk about that. I mean, I've struggled with that a is little bit. Ethical? I think it's ethical. Yeah, but but a lot of people would struggle with this. And maybe you can explain. So one of the things that I know I was worried about was this idea of looking at medicine as something that can alter a person. And because children are growing and they are developing, my concern was that you know, if we alter something along the path during the development phase that maybe it could like damage him permanently or something. So maybe you could talk a little bit about that. You educated me on that. I think that is something people might want to hear. It probably is very hard to an uh, OCD therapist who has lots of thoughts and background and it's understanding great. of research. I mean, it is great, mm -hmm. but it can be challenging because... I come in with some expertise here, but we as parents, we are the experts on Jack. And so having to balance that and making sure that he can have a voice in that, not just because, well, I'm the expert and I said that that's how it works, you know, making sure that he can have a voice in that. And I'm going to ask you about that a little bit later. But yeah, medication, first of all, I think we all grow up with different backgrounds and understandings with medication. Your household wasn't big on medication. As far as medicine goes, though, we had different, our upbringings, our family upbringings had a little bit of a different philosophy on medication, as I understood it when we talked about it in the past. And I don't love the idea of medicating children if it's not needed. I don't love the idea of medicating adults if it's not needed. But I've also shifted my perspective a lot on medication, having taken medication myself at this point, because I think there's this, especially growing up, I grew up here in the Midwest. I lived in L.A. for many, many years. My husband was born and raised in California. Very different kind of philosophies on a lot of different things. But 
I think in the past I had this thought of like, yeah, you really, you know, if if you start getting to a point where you can't function, then yeah, medicine could be very helpful and appropriate. And I would talk with clients about that. I will preface, I'm not a doctor. So if you have actual medical questions, please do follow up with your doctor. Yeah, but, I always talk to your doctor. Right. But if it involves medicine of any kind. But what I do know is psychopharmacology, medication for mental health is important. And after I first took medicine, I said, wow, I've been wrong on this. Right. It didn't alter me. It freed me from feeling the intensity of the noise around anxiety. Mm -hmm. For me, it was anxiety. Um, and that was pretty dynamic. Like, I thought I knew that I could function and that I was fine. But then when I, re when I took it and when I started to actually feel the uh, effects of it, I went, oh, my gosh, my last 10 years maybe 20 years could have been so much freer mm -hmm. and I, I i don't regret my life but i realized like it allowed me to be more of me instead of feeling i don't know just held yeah. back and and you know it, i think everybody is going to respond a little differently to different medicines too i mean we had to try a few different things with jack before we found the right combination you were kind of going in that direction but i would just say i've noticed big differences with them i think the thing that was comforting to me is that a lot of the things that are out there are not always things you have to take every day like an, like an ssri type thing some of them are just sort of like things that kind of help you know you for the for moment the day, for the just, period of time yeah for a period of time kind of help you organize your thoughts better or something right yeah and what I will say is non-stimulant is an everyday medication, mm -hmm. SNRI. But we have gotten back to the point, and I'm not saying that if you have OCD, a stimulant is a bad idea, because Jack actually is now on a stimulant as well as the SNRI, and he's doing well with it. But what I would say is talk to your doctor and just be aware of how that can affect you in a number of ways. I think that... Medication is important, though. I can recall I've been working with young ones. I used to live in L.A., and I was a birth-to-five coordinator and uh, program director. And I used to battle at times with psychiatrists saying, hey, this kid does not need this medication. And they'd say, well, I mean, I don't know if the parent is going to be able to manage them otherwise. So more or less, this is this is parenting, and I would get very upset mm -hmm. at that idea. But, you know, going through the situation ourselves, I realize he is going to live life as a living hell if we do not help him be able to rein in this anxiety. And in a lot of ways, Patrick and I were a lot like him when we were younger from an anxiety perspective, and we learned to cope with it. It's not that he wouldn't be able to function fully. Or learn to cope with it. Or learn to cope with it. Mm -hmm. But at the cost of... Yeah. And he still will have to learn to cope with it. He like, still is Let's be clear. To like, cope with it. Yeah. He still has to go through the same 
lessons and all of that. He does, but the intensity, the intensity uh, gets the, dialed back. The immediate a bit. panic, the right. He might still get worked up and occasionally does, but mm-hmm. it is for sure. Pure... He got worked up today about the cheese. <laughs> yes, but his worked up today isn't his t- like. Absolutely I'm saying work not. up. I'm saying like more in a panic level. Right. There's panic, and then there's just typical. I'm worked up because I'm mad, scared, whatever. Right. And and now he's more like just typical mad, scared, whatever, when right. he gets upset about something. Yeah. Yeah, no, I spent some years of my life being very full of anxiety, and I probably would have benefited from having some kind of uh, medicine back then. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I think that... We have both done a lot of work on our anxiety outside of medication. Oh, absolutely. I don't and I would say, like, personally, I think people should not only rely on medicine for something oh, right. like this. This is never about that, in my opinion. Right. It's a tool to help a little bit. But, yeah, no, it always goes with therapy. And we And we worked really hard on that. But I think that... Once we were on medication, it was like a new level unlocked. Yeah, pretty quickly, I too. Not, I did not feel <laughs> like I wasn't me. I just yeah. felt like actually I was able to be me. Yeah, that's true. And so that's true. it didn't alter me, but it did turn down the intensity so that I could live my life. And I still needed to use my my tools. Um, Absolutely. It was, it was another tool. Right. Uh, but I think for Jack, it's been very, very helpful. Yeah. And... I mean, he's not going to be 45 years old and on these same medicines. At some point, he'll, no, he'll he may build be, a tolerance. He'll either build a tolerance <laughs> and be on something else or he'll now, now. Yeah, he doesn't have to be. He'll he'll be in charge of his own. Yes. Health care at that point anyway. Exactly. But, but yeah, I mean, it's it's definitely something. Mm-hmm. It's not an easy conversation to have about medication. No. Patrick did not want the children on medication. I didn't either. And we did therapy. We did mm-hmm. occupational therapy. Yeah. We did so many different things to try and not go there. Mm-hmm. And we just finally, it was like, no, we need to go there. So just shifting gears a little bit, Patrick, I want to talk a little bit about what we kind of referenced a little bit earlier, I'm an ERP therapist, an OCD therapist. ERP, again, as we talked about earlier in the program, exposure and response prevention therapy. You heard a little bit about how Jack was doing math problems with some of his scary numbers in therapy. But I just wanted to ask, how do you feel like ERP has been for you? Because I've mainly been the person going to therapy with Jack or facilitating therapy on the cuff. With ERP exposures at home, what has ERP been like for you as kind of just coming into this learning? You've learned a lot about what I've shared about it, but you've learned a lot, especially as a parent coming into this. So what has ERP been like for you? Yeah, um, it's been really, really cool to see. You know, I wish I, when I was younger, I wish I had. And my parents did an amazing job as parents, but I wish that I, I wish that I had known how to walk through the scary, fiery situations of of fear that sometimes I had. I think this can apply to anxiety too. It doesn't just apply to OCD, I would say, because really just exposing yourself to whatever it is that you're scared of totally can destroy it pretty 
rapidly, actually. Yeah. It's really amazing. I, I, I've seen it as in my life as an adult. I can't really think of an example right off the top of my head, but I have seen it work in my life. And then also just watching it work in Jack, it's been really fun to watch. And I love the idea of just steamrolling through those fears and going for it because, man, you come out on the other side so much stronger for it. And it's amazing. And it's usually entertaining. I yeah, it is were, funny, too. There were things yeah. that Jack was saying even here that I can't even like. And I have a good therapist poker face, so I like to think. And I just couldn't help but to laugh about like the serial killers behind me. And I, I know. <laughs> usually if your child comes to you and you're like, a serial killer is behind me, you're like, that's alarming. But I was, I was, you know, chuckling a little bit at that and he could see it and he kind of was giving me a little smirk back, not because he wasn't <laughs> thinking that, but because right, right. he, because that's, that's a product of the work we've done. So exposure, you make a, a good point and this is a good moment to also introduce a distinction of ERP versus exposure therapy, though, in a broad sense. Mm -hmm. Exposure therapy has a lot of research as being helpful for anxiety disorders. And the idea is if we let the brain experience the exposure to the scary thing um, and we don't rescue it right at the height of the ah panic, or it doesn't even have to get to a panic level, but of the heightening anxiety, the brain over time will habituate that this bad thing isn't happening and it will learn to go live its best life. It's like desensitizing it. Desensitization, yeah. habituation. Right. Here's the problem with OCD. OCD is sneakier. It's like response in real time. So you can expose yourself and, and it says, okay, well, even if you survive this time, you won't next time. You're in danger. Mm. And maybe you need to do this. Maybe you need to do that. It does not let go. The brain does not habituate. It gets stuck in that loop and it only stays at the same strength, if not getting stronger. So that's why exposure is a piece of ERP, but RP in the ERP is very, very important. The response prevention. And essentially, that's saying prevent the responses you would typically have. Prevent the compulsions. Gotcha. So when we're doing ERP with Jack and he wants to, I remember he does this at home too, but I, I remember once he did this at therapy, the therapist was like, oh, and I was like, yeah, I mean, I probably seemed <laughs> so insensitive to it but he was uh he got worked up about something and then he thought he was getting nauseous and then he thought he was going to throw up and then he started spitting on the ground not like in a defiant way but in like a hacky like i'm gonna do it i'm way. gonna do it right like and his mouth was watering all the physiological cues are going yep and i was like oh don't spit on the floor you know, because COVID and all the things. Oh, sure. But but also, like, don't spit on the floor. Yeah. And meanwhile, the therapist is like, oh, my gosh, he's getting sick. Here, let's go to, to the bathroom. He goes in and starts hugging the toilet. Like, he's going <laughs> to keep what? into the toilet. Similar to what he does with cheese here at home. And he'll yeah. go in. Although it has gotten better. It has gotten better. Yeah, he didn't do that today. But he'll get into this, oh, I'm going to get sick. And, mm -hmm. oh, I think I'm going to throw up. And he's over right. the toilet. And I just said... Get up. We're not going to do that. We're letting OCD boss us around. Right. You know, and he's like, but I'm going to puke. Okay, if you puke, you puke. But we'll clean that up. But, we're, you know, we're not going to play this game with OCD. The right. therapist is looking at me. Well, she was an OCD therapist, so she gets it too. But 
is looking at me like, well, this was a big reaction. And I, I remember what he was doing in therapy at the time. It was yeah. kind of odd that what he was doing triggered that reaction. Usually it's cheese that triggers it. But I was like, yep, we're just moving on. And you know what? We bossed it back. And then he got to the point of bossing it back. And then he was over it. And it was like it never happened. Yeah. And so it can seem. It's save... like short-circuiting the brain loop. Yeah. Bit. So it seems counterintuitive. Right. Your your body's alarm system, fight, fight, or freeze, it's saying, you're going to throw up right now. You're sick. This is not, like, things are not going well. Right. Uh, uh, red alert. And I'm over here like, get up. You're yeah. The toilet's well, gross. Don't hug the toilet. Yeah. And, and this is probably why, uh, you know, sometimes you, you're you like, let's not do reassurance seeking or whatever. Because it's like that can help with the mm-hmm. sort of obsessive thoughts like, if I can just get reassurance on this thing I'm worried about, this intrusive thought, it'll go away. But then you seek that reassurance. And it doesn't help. In fact, it just kind of makes your if you are having an obsessive thought, it can make you be like, well, it didn't you didn't it didn't uh, get you this time, as you put it. But next time you'll better double check again, because one of these days it's going to come back and it's going to be no. Spoken like a man, maybe even said that to me today. I I did. He did. He said to me. (laughs) That's what I was just thinking. He said to me, if I may, he said to me, I just want you to give me reassurance on this. I love that he labeled it and everything was such a pretty package. And I was like, no, (laughs) that did not. He didn't like that. But I was like, I'm not going to give you reassurance. Especially since you called it reassuring. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, like I knew that what I was saying was going to get a no. Yeah. I was kind of like, I dare you to say no. And she said no. And I was like, darn it. <laughs> <laughs> He's feeling a lot more levity about it now. I it's think, just, you know, yeah, marriage. Marriage. <laughs> Do you feel like it's possible that some people can have some obsessive compulsive moments in their life but not necessarily be like diagnosably obsessive compulsive because sometimes you might see patterns of this in a person but that doesn't necessarily mean they are not that it would be bad if they are i'm just asking this is patrick saying i'm not really ocd am i no well (laughs) i we i still don't think i am but that's fine you can the the difference is if if these thoughts linger they cycle around Right. If they continue to stick, we can all have intrusive thoughts at any given point. Right. And, right. And yes. it is natural to say, oh, my body is having alarms going off. And so I'm perceiving a threat. I'm perceiving danger. I'm perceiving a negative outcome. Right. That can happen. But it's different when those thoughts loop and they persist and they don't go away or 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 if one goes away another one quickly takes over yes yeah yeah right or you think many can run in tandem but yet (laughs) what i would what i would say though is yeah erp has been fun at home i gave an example in last week's podcast about how sometimes though patrick you and i we don't make cheese quesadillas or give cheese sticks, or just avoid cheese altogether with Jack, because it's just not worth the fight. And we know, Mm. we know that the fight is worth it, but at a certain point, too, it's like, when you're on all the time as a parent, it's exhausting. Yeah, it's okay to have 
a little bit of battle picking, right? Like, right. Don't, like don't, you don't have to be suited up and armored obsessively as right. a parent, right? You and it's not <laughs> that we have to eat cheese quesadillas every day, but if you'll recall, no. <laughs> we we have picky eaters, uh, our children, and so there is a very picky eater in our family that would live on cheese quesadillas alone if he could. And for the longest time, we didn't give it to Jack. That's changing. Yeah, that is changing. He's making some great progress. Yeah, so what I would say is ERP can be fun. His Burj Khalifa one was probably, like, we just didn't see it coming, and we're like, what? The Burj Khalifa? So <laughs> exactly. Part of, <laughs> so part of how we do it is we expose him to, yes, you're going to eat the cheese, but instead of compulsing, like, having the, I'm going to chew it really slowly, and I'm going to sit here for an hour and finish it, and I'm going to go pretend puke. Well, to him, he wasn't pretending. I'm going to go gag in the toilet for a couple times. And all this stuff, we're like, no, we're not going to do the compulsions. So if we're doing ERP, we're preventing the response of the compulsions. And instead, we really leaned into it. And so we're like, so just a minute. First of all, you're going to fly across the world. And I guess this cheese stick is is the one booking the international flight, which if, <laughs> if they are, I say you go first class because, do you know, they get beds up there, like whole bed. They do. They get real plates, real food, all the stuff. Especially like Lufthansa. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. So we're like, so first of all, make sure it's first class. Stick it to the On cheese. an international airline. On an international airline. Stick yep. it to the cheese during COVID. And that, like, send you know, the cheese the bill. Right. Send the cheese the bill. The <laughs> cheese will get, like, you know, go through security with him. He'll have no parent. We're just like, yeah, cheese, go for it. You guys want to go on a flight? Sure. And he'll go over there and he's still none, the, no one's none the wiser when he walks into the old Burj Khalifa lobby. I imagine it. I have not been. I imagine it's somewhat like the Empire State Building where you can get like one elevator. Whoop, that goes up to like an observation deck. Actually, I, I don't know. I or think, observation I think you level. may have to take one or two elevators for that particular building. I don't know. Though. It's just Because so it's tall. just crazy. Yeah. Right. And then he gets up and they're like, yeah, we're just low key going to go out on the roof here. And, uh, you know, nothing to talk about. Nothing to see here. Jack and the cheese stick. Mm -hmm. And that they're going to be like, oh, yeah, cool. Yeah, we let that happen all the time. And, uh, and then they'll get up there and then the cheese, I'm like, how does he do it? How is he going to get you off? And he's like, he's going to push me naturally. So the cheese stick, very pushy cheese stick, mind you, cheddar, very sharp. It's sharp cheddar. I Planned love that. this all along. I love that he's like, it's cheddar. And I'm like, it is cheddar. I don't know why it's cheddar, but he's got a big thing with cheddar. So cheddar cheese stick pushes him off the Burj Khalifa. And amazingly enough. He walks away with just a really bad headache. And then he was going to be really upset because he had a really bad headache. And I'm like, so just a moment. You fly across the world with the cheese stick. You fall off the tallest building in the world. And you walk away with just a bad headache. He's like, like my skull is split. And I'm like, it should be after falling off the Burj Khalifa. And then you fly back. Imagine the headache with the elevation changes. Oh, my. And come back and you tell us and we're like, oh, whoops, that happened. Um, and, you know, as we got into the story, he was able to start laughing about it. And he was eating the cheese mm. and 
you know what? The cheese didn't win. Miraculously, he was just fine at and the end of the And he wasn't booked on an international flight. Which is the one bummer of that story. I know. Not that I want him to go alone, but I would love to fly internationally. Same. First class. That's bucket right. List. It's a bucket list thing. It is. I want a bedroom on the plane. Or even just Way a fully reclined plane. seat. <laughs> oh, yeah. Or you know, I'd settle for business class. They have like comforters. You yep. walk off and it's like eye masks and comforters. Mm-hmm. It's been a long time since we've traveled internationally, but I, I remember. I, I mean, some things you don't forget. And so, yeah, I, we ended up having fun with it. Jack also mentioned, and I'm glad he did, rewards. For kids in particular, rewards are very important. But I think even for adults, like at what point did we grow too old for getting a star for trying our best? Like, no. I've long maintained that everybody on earth likes ice cream. Yeah. But we, you know, we do come up with little rewards. We have charts. We have things he can earn. Recently, he really was flipping out about different rides. We were lucky enough to be able to go with family to Disney World. But he ended up getting a lightsaber at the end of it for fighting his OCD. And I remember in the worst moment, (laughs) getting ready to get on Slinky Dog Ride and Toy Story Land, at Hollywood Studios, he looked at me and he said with such a deep voice, you're torturing me. And this is me following through with the ERP homework with him. And that was hard because I had to think, am I torturing him? <laughs> but I knew <laughs> if we didn't go on at that point, if we didn't go on, that he would still be tortured and that that ride that OCD that the thought like he was somehow going to be harmed was going to win and become stronger and I was like we're going to have to go on this ride I just probably look like a terrible parent that's dragging my kid on this ride but we got on the ride and it has kind of a mid section where it gets ready to launch again and I looked at him because he stopped being so afraid. His fear response, he, it just his demeanor had changed a bit while we were riding the ride. And so when we stopped there, I said, so who was right? Was OCD right or was mom right on this? And he was like, you were right. But then the second half of the ride was too intense for him. And he was like, no, my OCD was right. <laughs> now, but for a second. <laughs> yeah. Now, what was troubling, I couldn't, I couldn't keep him from compulsing. He was screaming. He was having such a hard time. He, I couldn't keep him from compulsing. And so at a certain point when you're doing the ERP homework and you're supposed to be doing response prevention and they're just, they're just compulsing like crazy, what do you do? Do you abandon ship? Do you keep going? Um, those are some those are some hard questions, and then you have to err on the side of how is OCD bossing him, bossing our family, bossing us around right now? Like who who needs to win this battle? Right. I think the best thing to do in that moment is to finish your exposure. I think you comfort your loved one, and then you have to take a step back, zoom out, and say, "Hey, that might have been too much right now." Mm-hmm. Zooming out is pretty key, though. If it was just straight up rough, it probably was too much. I tend to say when in doubt, err on the side of going too far with the bossing back of OCD. And that also comes from my training and learning with researchers like Dr. Eric Storch, as well as some other incredible minds in the OCD world. 
Right. But it can be hard. It can be hard even for me as an ERP therapist, but also knowing that OCD will always go farther. And so as I've learned in my training and as I try to do in our house with my clients, and my clients listening, they're like, yeah, she does, is really lean in, err on the side of going too far. Yeah. The only last thing I'll say is, you know, how do you feel like it's been for you since I am an ERP therapist and I, I have a lot of specialized training in this? Have you felt like you've had a voice to come in and say and participate in this? Do you feel like, oh, I, I know there have been times where you're like, please come do this because this is more your thing. And I'm like, it's got to be our thing. <laughs> it's got to be our thing. And it is our thing. It. And it is. I always at least try first. Yes. Yes. And he does. He does. But yeah. how, do, how does it feel? Does it feel good? Like, okay, we're just, we're doing it. Or does it feel like. No, it feels great. Um, I, I like it because I have a lot of confidence that things are going to be okay for Jack because I can see how it's already helping him. You know, yes, sometimes some of his obsessions get traded for others. So, you know, the bees are gone, but now there's other things. But but overall, he's gotten so much better and suffers so much less than he used to. Yeah. And that's really what it comes down to. Yeah. For me. So, yeah, no, I'm I'm fully on board and excited. Right. About it. And he is becoming pretty insightful. We used to go, oh, that sounds like OCD. And now he will be like, hmm, I think with OCD you showed up. And Sometimes that's enough for him to come out of it. Mm -hmm. I was almost, I do sometimes. In in kind of closing there, I was almost in tears when we were visiting family because we went swimming and he has been just hating being in the pool ever since they tried to teach him the back float in swim lessons. He loved everything else. He crossed a threshold where he decided, I'm going to swim. I'm going to swim, and I'm going to just swim the way I loved swimming. Yeah, that was really amazing, and for sure. I mean, goosebumps. It gives me goosebumps even talking about it now because I saw my little boy who loved to swim come back. Right. No longer, like, ter absolutely terrified that he was going right. to drown, and it was pretty amazing. Yep. Well, as we, as we get ready to close, I'm going to be ending every podcast in an intrusive thoughts segment. <laughs> Because Patrick and I often have an intrusive thoughts conversation. What I love is we'll go, okay, so this is an intrusive thought, but I'm just going to say it. And <laughs> I want to be heard. That's and true. like, okay. All right. Thanks for that. It really is therapeutic to say out loud, this is an intrusive thought, but I need to share it. It, it really, really kind of takes the sting out of the intrusive thought when you just say that out loud. Yeah. It does. Yeah. I like that point. And also, you know... It, we don't have to reassure it, but you can provide right. information. This is just information. Now, you don't need to make this okay for me. I know there's nothing I need to do to change this because it's just an intrusive thought. Right. But saying that is empowering. Right. Just naming it for what it is. Naming it and saying bye-bye-bye to it. Yeah. Right. So let's go ahead and roll into it. Intrusive thoughts. So for intrusive thought segment, I thought it would be helpful if we could have like an application piece of how we can implement ERP at home. So for the listeners, we've been talking about ERP and our family and what it looks like at home. What advice or tips would you give to any family member out there 
or person that has a loved one in their life suffering from OCD to be able to practice and lean into the intrusive thought with their consent. Well, the first thing is make sure that you're with a good OCD therapist in general, because they'll give you the tools to know what to do, because this is not something that comes intuitively at all to anybody. I don't think. I don't think that the way you deal with intrusive thoughts in the way you've described is a thing that like a person would rationally come up with on their own. It doesn't feel rational. It doesn't feel rational. So so the first thing is, is getting educated by things like going to a therapist and or things like this podcast. But then from there, it's like, yeah, I think for me, it's like, what's most helpful for me is the naming it part, naming something as intrusive thought. And that helps, I think, when you know that if your child is doing it, it can also really help as well. Like, oh, I know this is an intrusive thought. So So I don't need to get on the roller coaster. Exactly. I don't need to freak out or I don't need to squash this because we don't need to prove or disprove it was yeah. an intrusive thought. And and maybe saying to a child like, that's an intrusive thought may not be helpful, but talking to the child like, you know, oh, what a silly little thought that just flew into your brain. Like, mm-hmm. that's a silly thought. Goodbye thought, you know. Like brain farts. Right. And yeah. like, I have silly thoughts too. And just basically helping them understand that, you know, thoughts aren't always reality because kids have a really hard time knowing what is reality. And sometimes what you think is reality, but that's, as we all know, not true. <laughs> yeah. One one example that I can think of that you kind of did without, you were saying, I wish I knew about ERP when I was younger, but one thing that you did that was kind of hits the marks for an exposure on ERP that maybe you could share about is getting an MRI. Oh, yeah. This wasn't, te- you had not gone to any ERP therapist, but you came up with this on your own. And it not really treated. worked. Yeah. I was shocked at how well it this worked. So I, w- I was used to be a pretty big hypochondriac. Every now and then, you know, every several months, I'll get like a moment of fear of something. But for the most part, 90% of me, 95% isn't hypochondriac anymore. Thank goodness. But I back then would be really afraid of doing something like going into an MRI machine because, you know, what if I panic and I'm stuck in this tube and I can't get out and the claustrophobic worries and then the worries about what they might find on the MRI. And also just like, it's a scary thing. Like, am I going to die? Does this mean I have cancer? Does this mean I'm one of these people who will live my life in MRIs and I'll always be getting scans and MRIs and, and I'll, and I'll be dying and blah, blah, blah. Like that is kind of what the hypochondriac thing. Well, or I CD or that, <laughs> but I basically said to myself, I said, you know, there are people who run these machines, the doctors, the nurses, whatever, whatever they are, the technicians, and they, they must run these things, what, like a hundred times a week or something like they're constantly using these machines and I, th- I suddenly had this image in my head and I thought, you know what, I'm going to play with this image in my head because maybe it'll make me feel better. And so I did. And the image was essentially like, what if the doctors and nurses decided, let's get together and just have a drunken MRI party. And they all took drinks and shots 
and then MRI'd each other, like one after the other, like I'll MRI you, then you can MRI me, and then we'll all laugh about it and look at the image afterwards. Ha ha. It was this idea of like, just giving myself that imaginative thing of like, well, imagine if I was just one of them, I was just part of that party. And somehow that just completely took away the fear for me. And I was able to walk right into the MRI and I wasn't mm -hmm. afraid at all. Yeah. At all. Yeah. And yeah. that is totally an ERP. And I've never been afraid of MRIs since. True. And he's had herniated discs. So yeah. So I've had, had a couple MRI. since. <laughs> More MRIs than yes. the average bear. But what I would say is that's definitely a perfect example of an ERP exposure. You didn't even know that you were doing it, but you leaned into it. You're like, right. yeah. Yeah. I'm going to the drunken MRI party today. And what I would add in therapy, too, of just even taking it a little more sensational is they probably will find all the bad things. Right. Up. And I was always like, when am I going to find out all the bad things? Apparently today on a Tuesday at 930 mm -hmm. a.m. And again, my clients are like, yep, 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 yep. She does that. Yep. But I lean into that. And it it is really amazing when physiologically, because I think what people misunderstand too about OCD is they think, oh, it's just the thoughts and the thoughts. There's a lot going on with thoughts, but it's your physiological responses to the anxiety or the angst that it's bringing up, the terror that it brings up that says you're not safe, you're not OK. And then that, so that compounded with the thoughts, you go, well, I must not be OK. What Mm -hmm. Or would I have even thought that if it wasn't like yeah. possible that that could happen? And and particular for people who have fear of health stuff, that stinks because you're really looking closely at your physiological responses. Yeah, you're relying on It's them. like a physical feedback loop of awful. Right. Yeah. But you were able to intercept that by going, yeah, we're all just going to have an MRI party. You're next, Judy. Yeah, right, but like exactly. you were able to to go there without even having some instruction. And it does feel counterintuitive mm -hmm. because most people, if you're like, I'm afraid of getting cancer, you're like, that's wrong, it dies. Yeah, yeah exactly. but it doesn't feel intuitive <laughs> at all. And yet you were like, you I know. Know what? Yeah. And so I think that's a good example, too, of applying. Like, how do you how can we come up with these things? OCD is usually pretty clear. I can't eat the cheese or this will happen. Okay, so we're going to eat the cheese. Mm -hmm. Thank you, OCD, for that. Mm -hmm. uh, but if we want to apply it in our own life, yeah, going into those imaginal exposures, imagining getting the MRI at the MRI party. Hope you don't miss out on the rest of the cheese dip, whatever. Mm -hmm. And just having fun with that, it really does drain your body of the fight, flight, or freeze kind of fear responses. And then you go, well, this is great. I'm just actually having like a kid-free moment. At the time that happened, we weren't married. We didn't have kids, but. That's true. But in the subsequent MRIs I've had, it's been a nice chance break. to take a nap. <laughs> like I just fall asleep. Funny, the bar is so low as parents. Every time I go to a dentist cleaning, I'm like, I might as well be a spa day. I love it. I uh -huh. love it. And yeah, MRI, nap time, no one's. <laughs> No one's interrupting me. <laughs> yes. It's so It's funny. noisy, but otherwise. It is a little noisy. Yeah. yeah, yeah. But yeah, that's funny. Well, thank you, Patrick, so much. I think this has been really helpful in thinking about the challenges that we've encountered as parents and thank learning. Thank you. And I would love if you'd be up for it to do a part two 
some point where we can talk about OCD showing up in dating and or marriage relationships. Sure. Because I think that's another whole piece that we could speak to that I think might be helpful. Sounds good. You know where to find me. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, I do. And you always do. (laughs) (laughs) In the MRI machine, you guys. (laughs) All right. Thanks, babe. Love you. All right. Love you, too. Thank you. Oh, goodness. That was really great. A huge, huge thank you once again to my son, Jack, and my amazing hubby, Patrick. Tune in next Friday to see where the conversation goes from here, because, hey, we're not alone. Yeah, we're not alone. Thank you for joining me and our OCD family community. If you enjoyed what you heard today, please like and subscribe to the OCD Family Podcast wherever you enjoy your podcasts. Did you find this content helpful? Please consider leaving a review. The more people that know they're not alone, the better. For more information regarding today's podcast, please visit ocdfamilypodcast.com and remember to join the email list while you're there. It will provide you with the most up-to-date information, resources, and the demo on the family chatter. Oh yeah, nothing says family like talking about drama from your mama. That's right, I went there. And you can too at ocdfamilypodcast.com.